0: When raising toddlers in a household, the toddler hears a lot of external commands from mom and dad. Commands like, say thank you. But if you fast forward just a couple of years after that to the parent's delight, the child starts saying thank you without being prompted. The dad might say to the mom, did you see that? He said, thank you, and I didn't even give him an external command. Now, whether or not that child is actually grateful is questionable. (laughs) Maybe it's just they've just heard the command so many times, it's now become rote memorization. Thank you. Fast forward a couple of years after that, the child keeps developing, and suddenly mom and dad realize the child has become very polite all of a sudden. And the mom or dad might think, they want something from me. Uh, But keep fast-forwarding a few years after that. And this moment happens that every parent longs for. Maybe around the age of 26 or so, the, the developed child comes and says to mom and dad, you know, mom and dad, I've been thinking about everything you've done for me. And I just want to say thank you. And they mean it. They're not just responding to an external command. They're not just giving rote memorization. They don't want something from you. They've had an internal heart transformation and they're actually grateful. Now in that description, I've just given you four possible categories for how some people experience Christianity. Some of us are like that toddler, and we're simply responding to external commands. I do what God tells me to do. I read his word and I obey, or I'm sitting here in church today because my wife told me to be here. We just respond to external commands. Maybe some of us, though, are like that second category where we're no longer just responding to a command. It's just become rote memorization. It's just a duty. It's just a routine. We just keep going through the motions. Still others might be in that third category. I suspect it might be the largest category where we do things for God because we kind of want something from Him. We think maybe He'll bless us if we keep being obedient to Him. But what God wants from us is what every parent wants from their child. He wants that internal heart transformation where we say, like the child, you know, God, I've just been thinking about everything you've done for me. And I'm grateful. I want to be in your presence. I want to be in your house. I want to show you that I'm grateful. I see what you've done. What Hebrews chapter 8 shows us is that true Christianity is not just responding to external commands, but it's an internal heart transformation. It's a transformation of the heart where we look to God and we say from the bottom of those hearts, we say, I love you, I'm grateful for you. We continue our series in Hebrews and what I'm trying to do with this chapter is make it accessible to us. This chapter could easily become an hour-long seminary course on Old Testament versus New Testament. That stuff is long ago and far away. I want us to understand this here and now. And there's an interesting description in verse 11 of our reading today. It's an interesting description of how the Old Covenant actually played out, that it was merely a system of external commands. Look in verse, verse 11 with me. It's in this description of the New Covenant, it says, They, in this New Covenant, shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying... Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. you see the external command there? People walking around saying, hey, you, know the Lord. Hey, you, love God. Like we're speaking a command to a toddler, say thank you. It's an interesting description of the old covenant, isn't it? Now, if you remember what the old covenant is, how, how it came to God's people, It was the Ten Commandments through Moses. A covenant is basically just an agreement between two parties, an agreement of two parties to come together in sacrificial relationship and to choose one another. The terms of the old covenant were this God said, I'll be your God, you be my people. And how will you be my people? Well, it's with the commandments of God. And so God reached from the heavens and he used his divine finger to literally carve the Ten Commandments into stone tablets. Moses ascended the mountain. He received those tablets with the Ten Commandments on it and he brought them down the mountain. How's that? For an external command coming down to God's people. These were the terms of the old covenant. God carved into that stone with his finger. And he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. Do not make for yourself carved images. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. And do not covet your neighbor's stuff. Those are the terms. I'll be your God. I'm the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I will continue redeeming you. And your job of being my people is to follow these laws. But there was a problem with the covenant. It says in verse 7, there's a fault with that system. There's a fault. Now, we have to be very careful about how we talk about this. Because we could easily read this chapter and think, oh, there's a fault with what God wrote on those tablets. Well, that can't be it. It's God's perfect law. He wrote it. So the fault is not with the terms of the covenant. You have God promising to be God, asking God's people to be God's people, and the terms. Where's the fault in all of that? It's with the people. That's where the fault lies. The old covenant was set up with a a system of blessings and of curses. If you obey it, you'll get blessed. If you disobey it, you'll get cursed. And the people had this very interesting capacity to tell everyone else around them how to follow it, while they themselves were breaking the law in their hearts. That's why it says in the New Covenant, nobody will have to walk around saying, know the Lord, love the Lord, follow God, do the commandments. Now maybe you're thinking, God, that sounds like the the church I grew up in. That sounds like the household I grew up in. Constantly external commands, even while those people giving me those orders were breaking God's law in their lives. We don't need to look real far to see examples of this. We can look around at our society today. Venture, if you dare, onto Twitter and look at the political arguments happening there. There's a lot of people saying, I have all the answers, you have all the corruption. And the person to whom they say that says, I have all the answers, you have all the corruption. It's kind of like the fault with this old covenant. People walking around saying, know the Lord, giving all kinds of external commands. But there's another problem with the Old Covenant system, and it's that external commands can never change the heart. You see, the essence of God's law, the essence of the Ten Commandments is love. The first four commands show us how to love God with all our heart. The next six commandments show us how to love each other. But when we receive those external commands, and if that's all we have in the covenant, then we will never actually love God because of our sin. We will never actually fully be able to love God with our whole hearts and be able to love our neighbors as ourselves. There was a pop song in the early 90s that really describes this well. Maybe you know it. I think it must be the saddest love song ever written. Bonnie Raitt. I Can't Make You Love Me. Do you know this song? I can't make you love me if you don't. You know it? Didn't think I was going to sing, did you? You can't make your heart feel something it won't. Oh, that is the saddest song. If I ever hear that song in the department store, which is usually where it's played, I have to just stop shopping for a minute and be sad for three minutes and 41 seconds. I want to find the nearest shopper and just, just, let's just be sad for a minute. (laughs) I can't make you love me. Bonnie Raitt taps into the fault of the old covenant. I picture her writing that song after years of exhaustion, finally waking up one morning saying, no external command can change his heart. I've been doing everything I possibly can to make him love me. I can't make his heart feel something it won't. That is the fault with the old covenant. The law is perfect. The law shows us how to love God and to love our neighbors, but the external command of it can never get down inside of us and give us actual love for God and actual love for our neighbors. So what does God do? This quotation we have in Hebrews chapter 8 is actually from Jeremiah, written something like 500 years before Christ, when God, through Jeremiah, promises a new covenant. He promises a new relationship between God and his people with new terms and with better promises. And look what he says he'll do in verse 10. He says, "'For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days,' declares the Lord. "'I will put my laws into their minds.'" I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You see, the new covenant would do what the old covenant could never do. It would give us an internal transformation of the heart. God, with that same divine finger that reached down and carved the law of love into tablets of stone, would now reach down into the hearts of people. And write that same law of loving God with your whole heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. He would write that same law on the inside so that we can be internally transformed and actually have the capacity to love God, to fall in love with God. True Christianity, it's not following rules, it's falling in love. Have you seen somebody fall in love recently? We had the privilege over the last year, we at Stanwich on staff, of watching Kara Svenson fall in love. <laughs> Those of you on staff know exactly how this looked. Kara already had a beautiful smile, but all of a sudden, one day, about a year ago, it, it doubled in size. She had this glow about her. She floated down the hallway. She thought about and talked about nothing but Nate King in Pennsylvania. She was so in love. I walked into my office one day, and she was standing in front of my bookshelf grabbing all the books on marriage that she could find. One day, Chuck found her in the hallway, and he said, come in my office a minute, and he grabbed another staff person with them so it wouldn't be creepy, and he said, Kara, you are absolutely radiant. You're in love. She's been married a few weeks now, and she gave me permission to share this little detail with you. She's been married a few weeks, and um, her mom said to her a couple weeks ago, She said, so, Kara, are you still getting used to saying, my husband? And Kara said, Mom, I'm still getting used to the fact that I'm allowed to be alone in a house with a boy. (laughs) She had never had a first date. She had never had a first kiss. She had never held the hand of a boy. This date was all new to her. She's so in love. That's what true Christianity is like. Now, let's think about this for a second. Nobody went to Kara a year ago and gave her commands saying, Kara, can you make your smile twice as wide? Can you think about and talk about nothing but Nate King in Pennsylvania? Can you start glowing a little bit? No external command could do to Kara what the internal transformation of her heart did for her. It's the same with the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. No external command structure of the law can do that for us. We need to fall in love with God. That's what the New Testament gives us. That's what the New Covenant does for us. He writes his law of love on our hearts. And the internal transformation has an outward expression. Now maybe you're sitting there thinking, that sounds great but how? Maybe you remember falling in love with God many years ago. Maybe it was through Young Life or some other ministry. Maybe it's been recent. You fell in love, but now it has become kind of routine. It's been like rote memorization since then. How do you fall back in love with God? Well, he gives us the better promises of the new covenant in verse 12. Remember, this is a prophecy given 500 or so years before jesus and in verse 12 he tells us how this internal transformation would ever be possible he says this in verse 12 for i will be merciful toward their iniquities and i will remember their sins no more Remember, in the Old Covenant, it was set up with blessings and with curses, but the human heart, being so sinful as it is, proved that it could really only experience the curse of the law. And in the New Testament, it says this about Jesus, when he went to the cross, he bore the curse of the law. Jesus fulfilled the Old Covenant. He took the obligations of the covenant and all of the ways that we as a people had failed it. And he took that all upon himself and in his blood he established a new covenant. I love the way Jesus teaches. I love the way he takes really complicated, hard to understand truths and makes them very accessible to us. At the Last Supper, Jesus mentions the new covenant. I would imagine that the people of God, after hearing the Prophecy from Jeremiah might be anticipating that new covenant. There will be a new covenant. After those days, I will establish a new covenant, a new covenant, a new covenant. And at the Last Supper, Jesus said something very bold. He said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then he said something just as important. He said, Drink it, drink it, all of you. Now I want you to watch, okay? Look how literal Jesus can be, how accessible he can make these truths for us. He said this cup is the new covenant. Now drink it, watch now what happens to the new covenant. Where's the new covenant now? Jesus wants to make these profound truths accessible to us. He says, I will have a new covenant. I will write my law of love on their hearts. And he shows us that with his shed blood, he makes it possible for us to actually love God by placing it on our hearts. What we do here at the communion table every week is a physical, it's a material, it's a literal representation of the spiritual reality. How can we fall in love with God again? We come back to the table week after week after week and we say, God, I have failed to follow your law again this week. I need your mercy. I need you to remember my sins and my iniquities no more. I want to take your shed blood into my life again. I want to take your law of love. Please, God, take your divine finger and write it, not this time on another tablet of stone where it's going to come at me like an external command, but write it on my heart so that I can fall in love with you. And we can become like that 26-year-old coming back to God saying, I've been thinking about all you've done for me. We look at the cross and we say, I've been thinking about what you did for me there. And I just want to say, thank you. I just want to be in your presence like Kara who fell in love with Nate. I just can't think of being anywhere else but in your presence, O God. Change my heart. Because true Christianity is not just responding to external commands. It's having an internal transformation of our heart where we fall in love with God. We can fall in love with him week after week after week by his grace. Now, I just want to get really practical about this right now and just ask... Why are you here today? Why are you sitting in the pew? Why are you doing this Christianity thing? If we go back to those original categories of of raising children, are you like that toddler? Just here because someone told you to be? Are you like that next category where it's just become rote memorization? It's just routine. It's just Sunday. It's what you do. It's just part of your life. You're in that third category where you think, if I, if I do enough of this stuff, God might actually bless me. <laughs> Laughter makes you guilty. <laughs> what God wants from us is what any parent wants from his or her child, where we come back to him and we say, you know, I've been thinking, God, about all you've done for me, and I just want to say thank you. There's no other place I'd rather be than right here with you. I'm in love with you. That's the terms of the new covenant. After Jesus had said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, I bet people were wondering, the disciples were wondering, what are the terms? What are the commands? So he answers it by saying in John 14, verse 35, he says, one command I give you. One, that you love each other the way I have loved you. God, we need you to come and write that law of love on our hearts. We can't do it on our own. We can't be obedient enough to the external commands. Please come. As we come to this table in just a couple of minutes, as we confess our sins to you, as we take this bread and this juice into our bodies, please, Jesus, come. Write your law of love on our hearts. We need you. Amen.